And their entire personality is just they like trees. It says, the one thing you should know about me is I love the outdoors and trees, dot, dot, dot. I do bonsai. Their occupation is tree maintainer at tree work. And then there's a picture of him maintaining little bonsai trees. Oh, my God. Bonsai trees are really hard to, like, maintain. And the only reason I know this is because Nam June, this is Nam June's Stop. (laughs) You are not allowed to talk about your K-pop obsession on my podcast. (laughs) Okay, I don't want to bring up her her Thai show. But (laughs) there's an actor in that movie with Aquafina. Wait, sing to <laughs> it wasn't Singto, but it looked like Singto. Also, I have a camper named Singto. Do you really? Oh my god, we stand. What is happening? <laughs> Overthrow the Welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jane. And I'm currently voguing. And I just realized that that doesn't matter. Because oh, <laughs> no one can just see froze. me but you. Wait, wait, wait. You froze when we were saying your name. Let's try that again. Welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. Fist length. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already going against it. Stop saying fist length. I told Jane to hold Sarah. the mic a fist length away and now she keeps holding her fist up to the microphone and I hate it. You created this monster. This is a safe for work podcast, Jane. I don't mark it as explicit. How How are you doing? (laughs) Wait, I'll go first because I I, I want you to bring it back up. I'm not good. Oh no. I'm, I'm not good. Here's why. Since the release of our last episode, not even since we last recorded a week ago, since its release on Wednesday, I have gotten a flat tire and my iPhone was stolen. <gasps> yeah. Wait, you told me both of these things. I don't know why <laughs> I'm suddenly like, <laughs> drama. No, 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 you're good. You're selling it to the listeners that you don't know this yet. No, I, I've gotten both of these things and it's so frustrating. And... I don't know why these things keep happening to me. It just sucks. And then today, it's just terrible. Like, okay, so my phone got stolen at a Dave and Buster's at our friend's birthday party. And it was a fun Already party. Already a financial issue. Already a financial issue. Already a financial issue. Dave and Buster's is so expensive. I'm so excited. We did get a Groupon that was like a really good deal. For $25, we got two vouchers for unlimited games for the games that don't give you tickets, which is a lot of the like racing games and the shoot 'em up games and stuff like that. So that was really fun. Uh, my phone got stolen either because I put it down while playing a game or they took it on my backpack. I'm not exactly sure. And what sucked was when I noticed I didn't have it on my person, my Apple Watch was still connected. So I knew it was close by. Yeah. I knew it was in the vicinity. So I started looking for it. I looked in all the games that I had just been at and I didn't see it. But there were people in the games and I was like, I'm sorry, I think I might have left my phone in here. And they were like, well, you're going to have to wait because they were like in the middle of a playing a game. And so they were being jerks about it. So then I ended up going to, I like walked away, went to management. Management said no one had turned one in. So I decided to do find my iPhone and I hit play sound on find my iPhone and about 30 seconds went by. And then it said iPhone is like offline, which means that <gasps> somebody. Someone turned hit- it off. Someone said I found my phone and they turned it off so that I couldn't stay connected over iCloud. So it sucked. It was like it felt it felt like it slipped through my fingers because I could see that it was in the David Busters. I could see that it was right there. So that was like that was just a really terrible feeling to have. Like, oh, it was right there. I I almost had it and it just slipped through my fingers. But that was like a really terrible way to go to end my Saturday night. And then today at work. Um, I had a group of kids that behaved so poorly that I like kicked them out of the classroom. I was like, like, if you're going to behave like this, you, I will not participate in playing games and doing activities with you. Oh my goodness. It was really rough. So that was my day. So I'm hoping you can bring it up. How are you? Um, I'm doing okay right now. Um, my day, no, my day was funny because today was the first day of the last session of camp. We did two week sessions and this session we're doing singing in the rain. And the first yeah. two sessions, um, 
we did Schoolhouse Rock and we did Aristocats and we didn't really do costumes. We just did like show t-shirts and like jeans and it, it was pretty, there no, there were no props. It was pretty simple. Block. They're easy shows to do. So, yeah. but this one, my boss wants to go like all out. And so she blocked it or she like held really intense, more intense auditions this morning. And she's already begun to choreograph. We've chore- we choreographed two numbers really quickly and we threw it all together. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. But the kid who's playing Don Lockwood um, yeah. was, home- was homesick today. <laughs> oh. So not only did my boss have me, like, help with the auditions and, like, be the example person for the girls who wanted to audition to play Lena. So I got to do the Lena voice all morning, which was really fun. And now all my campers think I'm so talented. And they were like, you have to play Lena. I was like, well, thank you. I did love singing in the rain. That's cute. But then, because (laughs) Spencer wasn't there. I played Don Lockwood all afternoon and I got to do, I like got to do all the dances with the kid who's playing Cosmo That's really and it cute. was really fun. That's so. super cute. How is your show? Oh, right. I forgot. <laughs> it's actually really good. Should we get started? Sure. I'm Jeez. actually really excited to talk about this. Okay, good. Cause I was hoping it would be like a kombucha, kombucha too, you know, cause I loved the kombucha yeah. one. Okay. Well, here's the thing. It's, I was expecting it to be similar to kombucha, but it's kind of like a conspiracy theory. <gasps> we, we're a conspiracy podcast now. We should just admit it to ourselves. <laughs> so I I was really expecting this to be similar to my kombucha thing and that it'd be like, well, um, this one celebrity talked about it in this one interview and it took off from there and yada, yada, yada. And like how all this stuff happened with Whole Foods in Portland. Anyway, it's kind of... Okay, so this woman, Eve Turo, T U R O W, um, we love her. Is her husband um, Adam? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what her personal life's like. Um, but she wrote this article called "The Strange Mystery of Who Made Kale Famous and Why." Ooh. And I've looked it up, and everything that she wrote about in this article is true. So it's a true story. Uh, basically, this woman, Eve Turo, who wrote this article, was just kind of curious about where the kale fad came from, as you were. As I was. Um, I'm so Eve she Turo. Looked I'm in. Kidding. Yes. You're Eve Turo. <laughs> My secret identity. So, well, this story so she wanted to look, do some research as to who started it. And mm-hmm. fun fact, there are a couple of like food fads that were started by specific people. For instance, this one woman named Linda Resnick is credited with pomegranates being as popular as they are because she was the like designer slash manager or whatever, uh, what have you, of the Palm Wonderful marketing campaign. Oh. And there, it's believed that from that marketing campaign alone, uh, California went from having 2,000 acres of pomegranate farms to three to thirty thousand acres. Oh wow. So we're like, wow, we love Linda. She, we, we love have pomegranates Linda. because of hers. She planted the <laughs> Linda first gave pomegranate. Birth to no. pomegranates. <laughs> she <birthed laughs> Similarly, in nineteen oh seven, this is fascinating to me. Uh apparently orange juice wasn't as big a thing as it is now. There was this crazy overabundance of oranges, again, in California, uh, in California farms. And so the ad agency, Lord and Thomas, they made a marketing campaign to, like, help people associate orange juice with breakfast. And they made it a staple for breakfast. That's so interesting. Yeah, it wasn't. That makes sense because they definitely didn't always drink orange. Like, someone at some point had to be like, hey, you know what we should do? (laughs) So our our hero, Eve Turo, um, found in her research that uh, between the years 2007 and 2012, U.S. kale production increased by nearly 60%. Whoa. Yeah. And she was like, why was that happening? Was there a specific person behind this like there was for the pomegranates and for orange juice? Right. Also, fun fact that Eve gave me this fact. I love her. Um. (laughs) <laughs> before kale was a fad who do you think was the the largest buyer of kale in the u.s who do i think was the highest buyer of kale in the u.s 
You're not gonna like, was, get it. You're not was gonna it a, get was it. Was it a person gonna... or a company? A company. A company? Uh, I don't know. Um, naked juice. No, it was Pizza Hut, and the reason what? for that, yeah, it was Pizza Hut, and not because they were selling it to their customers, but because uh, in their salad bars, in their restaurants, they used kale to decorate around what? the other vegetables. Because it like had a more curly look and had a different color that they thought was more appealing. So Pizza Hut was, was like buying kale in bulk to send to all of their locations to decorate their salad bars. That's insane. That's nuts. That's a crazy good fun fact. I know. I was like, what? Not everybody knows that fun fact, but that's a good one. So Eve found that mm-hmm. there is a woman behind the kale fad kind of growing this woman named oberon sinclair which sounds like such a name they made up for gossip girl it really does like (laughs) (laughs) what's her face oberon sinclair she is the founder of the new york city um ad company my young auntie oh it's a pr company my young auntie pr i feel like i've heard of this company yeah they have clients that include um, Hermes, Vivian Westwood, and Jack Spade, which I'd never heard of Jack Spade. I was like, is that Kate's brother? Or She is really credited for making Kale famous. Yes. And Eve asked Oberon Sinclair um, why she did that. And she said that she was hired by this company called the American Kale Association. Uh- <laughs> um, it was a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> she was an influencer. Yeah, she- yeah, she's in 2013. She was hired by the American Kale Association to quote make kale cool. One publication referred to Sinclair um, as the woman who made kale famous. Uh, she was really credited for the whole thing. And she said when Eve interviewed her, she said, "My approach was relatively simple. I sought to educate consumers on the benefits of a product via guerrilla marketing." I literally put it on chalkboards around Manhattan and on the menus of cool restaurants such as the Fat Radish, and the trend escalated the from there. Fat Radish. Apparently, that that's sounds a, like a cool restaurant. A restaurant in New York. That's sounds trendy. sounds trendy. Radishes are very trendy. Yeah. With beets. And then she also um, used like celebrity friends that she had in clients to spread the message that kale was a cool fad that they should. So she just like decided that right. it would be cool or the American Kale Association contacted her and you were, they were like, we have a pitch for you. Kale, super cool. And she was like, okay. Did she already know kale was okay, cool well, or did they convince her? That's the thing is Sinclair said that the American Kale Association hired her to quote, make kale cool. So she was okay. like, all right, these people are paying me to spread the message that everyone should eat kale. <laughs> What's their mission? Like, that, Spread no word on kale. Sarah, that's where things are going to get shady. All right, here we go. Is this a so, conspiracy? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah. So Eve, Eve Tarot, interviewed this guy named Dr. Drew Ramsey, who's the assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at Columbia. I thought and he's also the founder. Of studies. And I was like, get out. <laughs> no, no. But you'd think because of those two things that he... He wouldn't be connected to this, but he also is the author of a book called Fifty Shades of Kale, which is a cookbook for <laughs> kale recipes. <laughs> and so he's a psychology uh, professor that just loves kale. A psychiatry professor, yeah. And he also oh created National Kale Day. Which, actually, let me look up when that is. It's the first Wednesday in October. Oh, so it's coming up. It's coming up. Got okay, some kale. So Eve then interviewed Dr. Drew Ramsey. Fifty Shades of Kale guy. He agreed that Oberon Sinclair's marketing strategy really was the thing that launched the kale fad. Um, But then he added at the end of their interview, have you talked to the American Kale Association? I'm not sure they really exist. What? I was going to say that that sounds fake. (gasps) Oh, my God. And I'm, I'm like freaking out because I'm a little drunk and also Fifty Shades of Kale killed me. <laughs> it killed you. Mr. Kale will um, see you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Twilight apparently, too far. Apparently, well, what, 
the reason why he was bringing that up because he was saying that apparently it's not good for kale farmers because whole kale fad wasn't helpful for business for them like we would think it would be because there was this sudden huge demand for kale that they weren't really prepared for and they didn't have the supplies and it didn't really make their businesses look good that they weren't prepared and yeah yeah. so it just wasn't as good for business as people would think um so he was like why did so he was confused by the american kale association's desire to start to pay oberon sinclair's to start this fad right but he like had looked into it and couldn't really find any information about them so he was confused and he told so Ethan. Milton, after all this time had fact checked oberon sinclair i mean the things that she was saying about kale were like true like all the health facts about it are true but like okay no so one had ever been like, like okay who's the american kale association i guess if you put american blank association like to anything i believe it exists yeah so Eve went on to the American Kale Association website and she said it was super vague and there was the American Oreo Association. <laughs> um, she found that it was super vague. There was no contact information. Um, so she, she uh, got in contact with someone who worked for young auntie PR over in Sinclair's PR company. And she asked them, who is the American Kale Association? And they were, they replied to her, um, there are great collaborators, but they prefer to remain behind the scenes, focusing on growth and supply and providing the most accurate, updated information. And Eve responded to that response and said, to clarify, the AKA are kale farmers slash producers. And the, the staffer just said yes to your question about the AKA and then like didn't answer any other questions. Whoa. So um, Eve Turo called the National Farmers Union to ask them if they had heard of, of the AKA. Um, Patterson, who is the government relations representative for the National Farmers Union, told her, quote, I've never heard of the American Kale Association. And if there was, in fact, a group representing kale farmers, it would probably be the United Fresh Produce Association. So Eve called the United Fresh Produce Association and they said, we are not familiar with the AKA. Uh, this was Mary Coppola, the senior director. <laughs> AKA sounds like cult. Oh, I, I just, I didn't realize that I had read it like AKA. I started abbreviating it in my notes. No, that's fine. It's like, it just sounds like a cult. The American like it sounds cult. like the KGB, the AKA. <laughs> so Eve then reached out to actual kale farmers. She contacted this person just listed as Muru Khanna, who is the vice president of the, she doesn't say what, what company is but was VP of the largest shipper of bunched kale in the nation and they said I've never heard of the American Kale Association and she asked if there was a union of kale farmers would you know of them and he replied emphatically sure she (laughs) he emphatically said sure yeah sure (laughs) other kale distributors told her the same thing that they had never heard of the American Kale Association and that they would know if that existed so, Eve goes back to the beginning. In 2009, the magazine Bon Appetit ran a recipe for kale chips by Dan Barber, who's a renowned New York City chef. In 2010, Dr. Oz talked about kale on his show. In 2011, Gwyneth Paltrow baked kale chips on Ellen. In 2012, Bon Appetit named named it the Year of Kale. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, really? Time Magazine listed it as one of the top 10 food trends. And then in 2013, National Kale Day was launched. And around the same time, a lot of celebrities began to talk about it. It just was trendy to be a person who ate kale. So, like, it was on a lot of people's Instagrams, like, look at me eating kale. And then, of course, those sweatshirts that yeah. they kale on them became really famous. It, it was a huge thing. So, Eve Turo calls over in Sinclair. And she just oh asked her point blank, are you behind the American Kale Association? And Oberyn Sinclair just says yes. <gasps> this is like JT Leroy. <laughs> it is. And in a later phone call um, <laughs> with one of um, her editors, uh, Oberyn Sinclair says, it's my proudest campaign ever. I've been trying to convert people for years to eat in a healthy way. I've always loved kale. It's an amazing vegetable. So oh no God. 
wrong with paying this woman to start this kale campaign? She just decided (laughs) to do it because no one listened to her when she was like, you should eat healthier. You should eat kale. Everyone was like, yeah, whatever, Oberon. (laughs) (laughs) You and your Shakespeare name. (laughs) But she was like, listen, I have celebrity friends. I have a PR company. I'm going to say someone's paying me to do this. All right. You know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. (laughs) You need to eat more kale. And so I'm sure later Eve asked her, why would you take the time to create a made up organization? <laughs> but they have a website and everything. This is so crazy, Jane. No, it's so true. Crazy. I have to, I what? to confirm this woman's story. It's I love crazy. that you were like, they're going to think I made this up. And I really did. <laughs> I, I confirmed. Oh, it's the truth. Anyway. <laughs> She just, I love when you get flustered by the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, in response to why would you take the time to create a fake company? Yeah. Anyway, she, Oberon Sinclair says, I'm a punk at heart. What? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do something differently. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> But I just find it so funny that she sent this woman on like a scavenger hunt of like calling the like uh, (laughs) calling kale companies and calling (laughs) unions and calling farmers and calling people to try and find who this mysterious company was. And it was just this woman being like, uh, you know, the American Kale Association. And then I let me look at their website. Do you think back in 2011 when she started making kale popular that she had started with the American Kale Association, but or it was only when Eve approached her that she was like, shit, got to make something up. I guess I'm going to make up the American Kale Association. Like, do you think she's always been pretending it was the American Kale Association or it was a later development when people were questioning her support of kale? I don't know because, oh my gosh, I'm on their website. Um, <laughs> I don't know, because when she was starting the campaign, she said that she was just doing, quote-unquote, guerrilla marketing. And she was just doing things like going around to restaurants and uh, places in New York and writing kale recipes on chalkboards and just, like, telling people to eat kale. Oh, this, I'm looking at their website. It's all just kale recipes. The American Kale Association? Yeah. Can about, you just call yourself uh, the American Blank Association without any like rights? Like, Learn all about kale, and the rest is nutritional yeah, information about it. kale. It's oh, apparently it's been around for two thousand years. I feel like most crops have. Oh, they have tote bags. They're very nice. Well, she must have like a team helping her run it. I mean, well, she has a PR company that's like a successful one with like big companies that they endorse that they do PR for and she has a lot of celebrity connections right I don't know that's wild that's so wild is that everything oh my gosh I was just so amazed by Eve's story that yeah yeah there is no she had to go on this wild goose chase for this company trying to find out a single thing about them and everyone who she asked was like I've never heard of them Thank you, Jane, for telling me all about kale. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You really supplied me with a whole a whole wealth of information there. Okay. So, welcome to Jane's Reddit segment. Wow. Here we are. Where Jane okay, so actually takes mine... a question from Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, yeah, both of mine are from Reddit. Um, I couldn't... You recommended that I look through no stupid questions, and I couldn't find anything really that stuck out to me uh, this week on no stupid questions, which I'm mad because I knew I was on Reddit when we finished recording our last episode, and I looked through Reddit then, and I remember thinking, oh, there's a lot here to choose from, and then I couldn't find anything today. But it's just people post so often that stuff disappear really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I found a couple things on r slash explain like I'm five. Oh, cool. That I thought were fun. Well, I haven't used that one yet. That's a good one. Yeah. And both of them, both the ones I've chosen, have to do with our bodies, which are wonderful <laughs> miracles of nature and also horrific <laughs> Oh, yes, I do. Horrific it is magnificent. 
<laughs> That's a John Mulaney quote. If you haven't, if you don't know the reference, go watch some John Mulaney specials. <laughs> I quote him constantly. Oh, me too. Okay. So. Our bodies, <laughs> great, beautiful, and also horrible and and terrifying. I was literally listening to Wine and Crime, and they were talking about how the more they learn about their body, the scared, the more scared they are. Did you know your bones regrow every ten years? No. What happens to the? <laughs> That's what Amanda said on the show. They just like <laughs> they like kind of shed, so the inside becomes the outside. Ew, ew, ew. Wait, what do you mean? Where does it go on the outside? Like, it, it is that weird? No, I know your cells constantly regenerate, but it's like one of the, like, you forget that bones are cells. It's like the inside becomes the outside. Uh, really weird. Yeah. Yeah, really weird. Anyway, yeah. tell me about my body, my yeah. disgusting body. Someone asked, why do you feel sick to the stomach or a loss of appetite during breakup or other emotional stresses? Oh, geez. And someone very eloquently answered, that any kind of stressor from frightening noises at night to emotional stress activates your body's natural stress response. And part of that response is to release the hormones adrenaline and cortisol into your bloodstream. Okay. Adrenaline activates the body's fight or flight response by redirecting blood from your organs to your muscles so you can take action. The sick feeling or pit in your stomach comes from the blood leaving the digestive system. Oh, I get stressed stomach all the time. I feel like when I'm stressed, I feel like it depends on the type of stress. Like there's a certain stress where I want to eat more and there's certain stress where I feel like I can't eat. I think it's kind of just depends on how you feel based on that. Um, yeah. Because I think some people can feel the same things and just have the desire to solve that problem in different ways. That makes any sense. Definitely. Definitely. Um. It says both of these responses are great if you're running away from a physical stressor like a large predator, but they don't help you up as much when the stressor is abstract, like relationship trouble. How often do they think issues. humans are running away from large predators? From large predators, I don't know. Well, I think there's when saying, you're running like, away from Gustav like, the crocodile. Oh my gosh! One of my campers the other day, I mentioned the podcast, and she went, "I listened to an episode." I went, "Which one?" And she went, "It was about a crocodile." And I was like, "Oh, that's a really good one." Yeah, super fascinating. That's one. The, my, that's the one my mom told my family to listen to. Which, if you are my family and you are listening to this, you have certainly realized by now that this is not a partisan, a bipartisan operation. This is a very partisan operation. <laughs> and if you have issues with my political views, I'd be happy to discuss them with you. Oh <laughs> but goodness. don't write a review about it anyway. Um. Chronic stress and anxiety causing constant releases of these hormones can have long-term detrimental effects on the body, which made me think, oh, no. What? <laughs> what? You mean it's bad for you to be stressed 24-7? <sighs> it's shocker. Sorry for that yawn. It's a wine yawn. You're just exhausted by... I am uh, exhausted by life. I slept, like, all right. 12 hours last night. Because I was so stressed. Oh, I'm glad that you got that much sleep. I, it's because I was well okay the night my phone was stolen we got home at like 1 30 I didn't like lay down and put down my laptop to go to sleep until 3 30 but I, it was like a fitful sleep like I woke up very often I mm -hmm. when Kelsey went to work at 6 30 I woke up and I was like trying to go back to sleep and then at like 8 30 I woke up for good and I was like well this isn't happening so I went to bed very early last night mm. yeah my second thing that I found on Explain Like I'm Five yes. is why do baby teeth exist? Which Ooh. I feel like you're probably going to be like, um, we all know that, Jane. But I was like, why do they exist? It's true. Why that do, is weird that we grow them. Why and do then little kids need teeth? It's weird that we grow them and spit them back out. <laughs> Apparently, like, because normal teeth, just like baby skulls are too small to handle that. But, but, they, but you still need the nutrition from sources that aren't just bread breast milk when you're like a, after a certain age so oh, the body yeah. develops a first set of teeth and then sheds them when the skull is big enough to grow adult teeth which like seems like a simple thing but also you want if you want to see something terrifying oh, look at pictures of baby skulls with adult teeth growing in underneath Right, baby teeth. It's oh, so like I want to look and I don't want to look. It's gross. It doesn't look. Was that gross? But it's like, oh, I'm looking at it now and I. It's very unsettling to look at. Ah. Like, there's so many teeth ah. in one oh little skull. Oh my god, skull. it's so cute. 
scary. I hate that. Oh my gosh. Me they look too. like, like monsters. It's like that's the terrifying. teeth between the 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 like nose hole and the yeah, right and the like, other te- like next to your nose. Oh, I hate that. Ugh. I hate that. So I'm so sorry I just brought that into your life, but I felt like the world yes. needed to know. I want one of those as a Halloween decoration. Really scare the shit out of people. Oh, sorry, scare the life out of people. Oh my god. Or PG. I asked one of my can I asked my campers today, like, anybody have any fun Halloween costume ideas for this October? And one kid went, Yes, I have the best idea. I'm gonna be a Dementor. And I was like, Oh, that's cute. But that's really just like a black robe, and people are gonna be like, like Grim Reaper. Yeah. Hope we're on synchro. The mis- and the millennials have gotten out of hand. <laughs> They're making up kale associations. They have names like Oberon. Or Oberon like isn't a new name. Like that's a Shakespeare name, I guess. But like no, but it's still like you don't meet an Oberon. Like if I met an Oberon, I'd be like, all right, you're lying to me. So are you ready? <laughs> I can't believe you made me do this. I had this terrible, terrible week, and then you made me look up Brexit. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's all right. It was a good moment of like somebody else's life sucks more than yours. Listen, listen, what I, I think I this came across, but I didn't I don't need you to explain all of Brexit. Just well, I'm like, going to explain all of Brexit because that new guy, Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson. I was but he's not really doing a lot with it right now because he like kind of just started. So I don't have a lot okay. of updates from him. So I'm just going to explain Brexit Great. because I could use a refresher and I'm sure other people could. Okay. So. Here, here we go. <laughs> I'm just gonna finish off. Hold on, wait, wait. I'm just gonna chug this wine so that I can just do it. Like this, oh little, it's gosh. like drunk history. Explain Brexit on a gla- on. A- <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> Ever since Great Britain joined the EU in 1973, the Conservative Party has had its reservations about. Great Britain's membership. In 2016, Conservative Prime Minister David Cameron decided to settle the EU question with a yes or no national referendum, which, like, I feel like should should Great Britain leave the EU is not a yes or no question. But he did it. Although Prime Minister Cameron assumed that the population would not want to risk leaving the EU, Great Britain voted 52% to 48% in favor of leaving. About 17 million people voted in favor. The call, they call leaving the EU quitting the bloc. So when you hear me say quitting the bloc, I'm talking about leaving the EU. The EU is referred to as the bloc sometimes. Conservatives in favor of, quote, quitting the bloc campaigned to take back Britain from Europe, but failed to say how, and they were faced with a predicament in 2016. So they had been saying this for a long time, that, like, their political plan was that they were going to leave the EU. Um, so Britain has since been split into what are called leavers and remainers, which are different, but sort of a, along the party lines. Um, and in Britain, the part, the two major parties are conservative and labor parties. So leavers and remainers are not necessarily like every lever is a conservative. Every lever is conservative. Every remainer is a uh, labor, but it's like similar. Prime Minister Theresa May then replaced Cameron in 2016 right after mm-hmm. the vote, which mm-hmm. is like such a dick move that he was like, let's take this vote. Okay, your problem, and then left. Um, and was charged with negotiating the deal while also building support at home for the leave because there were many people who had not shown up to vote who were like, I don't want to go. And she was like, well, we voted and you didn't show up, so here we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we talked with which is like this like, echoes of like america like oh well, you didn't show up so here we oh, are yeah. um one remainers oh sorry one leavers faction favors a clean break where britain would regain sovereignty over trade and immigration which is two major policies that the eu controls in great britain because they are eu members um and they would leave the eu court of justice which many conservative brits hate like they don't like that they have to follow the eu's laws and courts of justice when it comes to i believe only when it comes to international crimes but they still are like like they still they have like a code of laws that they all have to follow as a group as opposed to like the individual laws as well like they feel like they don't have as much rule over their laws they don't have a lot of decision making in that process Mm -hmm. um 
Other levers would prefer to maintain close economic ties with the EU, even if it means sharing control. So they, they're in favor of a bit more compromise. Um, the article the article that I've been citing up until now um, was written in November 2018. It was a New York Times article. Um, and at the time of this article, where I got all this previous information from, Brexit was scheduled to occur on March 29th, 2019, but the departure date has since been delayed. So they call the date that they'll leave the EU the departure date. Wow. Um, so... It's a plane now. They're gonna, they're, they're just gonna like turn on the engines and have yes, the really entire are. island of Great Britain just float away. <laughs> away. Like it's a cruise ship, and they're like, all right, well we're departing, so we're departing now. Um, during her- they have to take Northern Ireland with them. Gosh, yikes. Okay, well we'll get we'll get to Northern Ireland. Don't you worry. I'm just drinking some water. Yes. Hi. <laughs> As one of my counselors says, hydrate or dehydrate. <laughs> Jeez, she says that to children? No, but she'll just say to me. But apparently there was a Camp Olympic team last year called Hydration Nation, and their cheer was just they all took their water bottle up with them and just... That's very cute. cute. Oh, oh, did I tell you last week that my team won? I was so proud. Yes, you mentioned it last week, but once again, go goats. They were the goats, right? The Galactic Goats! Congratulations, Galactic Goats. I Very think we proud. should just stop here now because I lost the first session. I won the second session, and we're doing Olympics again this session. And I, <laughs> one of my counselors who's been the judge the past couple weeks is going to be have his own team. Oh, boy. So I'm like, let's just stop Camp Olympics now while I'm on top. But <laughs> that Good won't for happen. You. Good for you. I'm rooting for you and your team. Don't let me down. During her time as prime minister, Theresa May tried to broker a compromise to avoid the quote-unquote cliff-edge withdrawal that would leave mm-hmm. ports blocked, airplanes grounded, and a shortage of food and drugs. Um, this formal agreement is known as the withdrawal agreement that is between the UK and the EU or the EEC, which if you, the EEC and the EU are like pretty much the same, are, are essentially the same thing. The EU is the European Economic Community. Okay. Their official membership. Um, as of July 30th, 2019, this is what the withdrawal agreement covers. Um, it says that the UK will have to pay the EU about 39 billion pounds to withdraw. That's about 50 million dollars. Oh, sorry, 50 billion dollars. Um, the plan outlines what will happen to UK citizens living elsewhere in the EU and vice versa to make sure that it's like a peaceable thing and that um, people who are working in the EU but are UK citizens still have all their rights and all of their visas and like the ability to work there and all of that without a lot of crazy due process. Mm-hmm. Their plan it also outlines their plan to avoid the return of a physical border between Northern Ireland, which is a part of the UK, and the Republic of Ireland, which is an independent EU nation. I will get back to the Ireland conflict. The agreement also includes a transition period, which will allow businesses time to adjust and give the UK and EU more time to make a trade agreement. If this withdrawal agreement gets the green light, there will be no huge changes between the date of Brexit and December 31st, 2020. So it gives them a lot of time to iron out the details and acclimate to this new world and new trade and stuff like that. Um, so it, it, it builds in extra time, essentially. Okay. And then there's a separate document called the Political Declaration, which will give an overview of what the relationship could look like in the long term. But those aren't considered laws and they're not considered a binding contract. It's just about like the future and the possibilities of what could happen. So going back to Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland has been a major problem in forming this agreement because of the previous sectarian violence in the country. Um, obviously Ireland has had a civil war. There's a lot of violence, especially surrounding whether their independence from the UK, that border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland was militarized for many years because of the violence that would occur there often over trade and smuggling that Mm -hmm. ended with the 1998 good Friday peace accord. But that agreement was only possible because both countries at that time were members of the EU without the, the EU membership that probably wouldn't have happened. 
So reintroducing customs controls at the border would pose many problems. I've crossed from Ireland to Northern Ireland before, and it's like literally just you show your passport and then you can continue can continue moving. It's nowhere near the customs that you have to go through traveling between other countries because they're still they okay. share a landmass, you know, on an island. Um, mm-hmm. So I can totally and like trains run through there. You can get from Dublin to Belfast in two hours. There are people that wow. commute for work from Northern Ireland into the Republic of Ireland. It's a major, it's like a huge issue because they know that there's so much that goes through there, especially because the two countries have only been separate for so many years. There are people that still have family. There are people that have jobs yeah. in, in the country. Like it's real, it's a very commonly traveled border because in many ways, like as opposed to traveling from France to Germany, which really feels like two separate countries, you know, Ireland, Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, that doesn't really feel like two separate countries because there are many years of war. So huge, a huge problem, like both culturally and also economically. The so Theresa May proposed an agreement that would keep Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK in EU's customs union until a trade plan is finalized. So she was doing this just because she wanted to get the withdrawal agreement approved as fast as possible. But under this plan, that would essentially mean that Britain would be held liable for following the bloc's trading rules, despite having paid $50 billion to not follow them. And because they formally left the EU, they would have no say in making these laws. So they would be following the EU's laws without any of the protection of the EU. And many people are opposed to this. The Democratic Unionist Party of Northern Ireland also hates this idea because the plan would impose more EU rules on Northern Ireland than the rest of the UK. Mm -hmm. Scotland is also furious uh, because they (laughs) want to in the UK and they want Ireland's deal. <laughs> so Scotland's literally like, um, I'll take what Ireland's getting. Like, <laughs> that sounds good to me. And they're like, no, no, Scotland, this isn't about you. And they're like, okay, but what if it could be? Like, it's this whole thing. I um, have so-, so many campers that have, like, have, like, startlingly good Scottish accents. And what? I'll be like, I'll be like, no, why no, do you have a good Scottish accent? And then they'll look at me and there'll be a pause and they'll go, get on my swamp and I'll realize that they're just doing a Shrek impression and I'll get really mad. <laughs> just do an Outlander impression. I need to rewatch a couple episodes of Outlander then I'll get right into it. I can't do it now but like literally like sing me a song of Atlanta's <laughs> We do really love Scottish drama shows. We love Mary Queen of Scots. Oh my gosh. Scotland by the Lumineer is on my like playlist that used to pump me up when I'm working out I I am the queen (laughs) she says raising her fists in the air I love that okay well I'm like on the like weight machine so this is me like pushing the bar up so Scotland wants Ireland's having sorry I feel like when I'm doing my bit you like have like informative interjections and then mine is just like sidetrack 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 when you're no, going. no, that's how I feel. That's how I feel, too. I feel like I'm constantly interrupting you to sidetrack, so it's okay. Um, members of Parliament have rejected the withdrawal agreement three times. They rejected it on January 15th, March 12th, and March 29th, the day they were supposed to withdraw of 2019. So Britain has not left the EU yet. The deadline has been delayed until October 31st. It's going to be a Halloween decision. (laughs) (laughs) The ghosts of Great Britain are going to come back and be like, don't do this. (laughs) Um, Right now, the deal. Oh, so uh, so here's the like big kicker of the Mm -hmm. deal. Right now, the deal includes what they call the backstop. The backstop is a last resort to keep an open border on the island of Ireland, regardless of what happens with the Brexit negotiations. It is built into the deal. Um, Theresa May insisted that if everything went according to her proposed plan, it would never be used. But Parliament is unhappy with it because the backstop cannot be ended without the EU's permission. And many say that Northern Ireland should be treated the same as the rest of the UK. Um, so the backstop would mean that if like the plan totally failed, Northern Ireland would just be treated like the rest of the EU, mm. but not Scotland and England. Big problem that many politicians are against, which is really, that is like a major thing that's stopping the withdrawal agreement from getting approved in parliament. 
Um, after all this pressure, Theresa May announced that she was stepping down on May 24th of this year. Her successor, Boris Johnson, officially took office on July 24th. So she officially stepped down on July 23rd. Right now, Prime Minister Boris Johnson wants to renegotiate the withdrawal agreement and remove the backstop. This new agreement will still have to be approved by Parliament. However, EU leaders have consistently said that they will not renegotiate the withdrawal agreement and that the backstop is essentially the deal. So the EU has said, we've said everything we're going to say. This is our terms. Take it or leave it. It's up to you. They've really left it up to the prime minister. Be like, it's your job to sell it. Like, we're not changing it. Mm-hmm. If Boris Johnson fails to convince the EU to change the withdrawal agreement, he has promised to take the EU, take the UK out of the EU without a deal on October 31st. And this is referred to as a no deal Brexit. This is not an ideal situation. He is saying no deal. No, they shouldn't do that. The EU is holding the case. The EU is Howie Mandel. (laughs) (laughs) They're saying deal or no deal. Deal or no deal. No, this is like an extreme deal or no deal. Um, that would mean that there would be no transition period economically, and it, that would make an immediate end to EU laws in the UK. Because Boris Johnson has been so consistent about this, saying, like, if they can't make an agreement, I'll just pull them out. I'll just, like, I'll just pull us out. I'll just pull us out without any sort no, of agreement. No, the pull-out method never works. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't I'm it so never work no I'm that so was sorry. perfect no don't apologize you're super right it never works um because it, it seems not i wouldn't say it seems likely but boris johnson's very much talking about it it's his wall um the government is currently <laughs> for that situation it is still legal for brexit to be canceled but very few politicians support that option the word canceled is like, I feel like it has like 10 meanings now in our vernacular. Sure, it really does. No, they mean like legally, like they're like, never mind, yeah. we'll just stay. That's still yeah, legally yeah. happen. Excuse That's me. canceled. Brexit, canceled. <laughs> <laughs> if this no deal situation, no deal Brexit would happen, um, they expect food prices to rise and added custom checks at borders that could cost businesses billions of pounds. So, the UK has published a series of guides to prepare citizens just in case this happens. They're, you know, this is only this is only about two months away now. If they should just pull out, so they're telling people to prepare, kind of for the worst. Like they want everyone to know, like this could very much happen, and this is how it will affect you. BBC, which I got a lot of this information from, posted an article for UK citizens titled "No Deal Brexit: Ten Ways It Could Affect You." So this is how it'll affect the average UK citizen. 30% of food in Britain comes from the EU and they expect it will become scarce and more expensive. Extra measures will be put in place when traveling to Europe, including the necessity for um, not necessarily new passports, but new processes for obtaining a passport and new processes for obtaining visas. So essentially, you know what like we go through when we go through customs as Americans? Like yeah. The UK will have to go through that. But it's a little bit of a bigger deal because there it's more common for people in the uk to travel to the eu or members of the eu and that process used to be very streamlined the i i have met a person who lives in london and works in paris and that process used to be really easy and it no longer will be and it'll be more expensive more than likely Jeez. Yeah. Um, there will be shortages and costs increase for medicine, which if there's one thing Americans can understand, it's costs increase for medicine. The right. Oh, OK. So the rights of UK citizens living in other EU states will be upheld, but only for now. Like their rights are sort of up in the air. So if you are a UK citizen currently living in Spain, say Spain's a very popular country for UK citizens to live in. Um, yeah. Right now, you'll have all the same rights as a UK citizen because you'll kind of be um, grandfathered into the process. But that's won't go on for forever. Mm. 
EU citizens in the UK will need to apply for what's called a settled status, which non-EU Europeans need to do. Like if you're Norwegian or, or Swiss, um, essentially it means that like you're maintaining your right to live in the UK as a European, but not as an EU member. So you don't have all the free movement, but you're guaranteed a little bit more rights than just like an immigrant, a normal immigrant, if that makes sense. Which mm-hmm. like, I realized, like, reading this, I was like, they only mentioned settled statuses for, like, European countries. Like, what if you're from South Asia and you and you moved to London? Can you not get settled status? It was like, it, it's like, it's a little odd. It's very Eurocentric. It's very Eurocentric yeah. concept. Yeah, so the uh, EU citizens in the UK will need to apply for a settled status, which proves that, like, I've settled down in the UK. I'm, I'm like, a UK permanent resident, but I am technically a member of the EU importing is going to be much more expensive for businesses the housing market will most definitely change house prices could fall by up to 30 percent which is huge the use of mobile phones and roaming areas will be more expensive so right now in europe if you are if you live in the uk and you go over to france you don't have the same data plan but that roaming costs less because you're already a part of like an eu cellular network no they won't be so that'll be a little more complicated so annoying yeah super frustrating that's it's like um normally an international plan for americans in europe is ten dollars a day but in mexico and canada it's five dollars a day it'd be like if mexico and canada went up to ten dollars a day even though it's right there seems like ridiculous they're, they expect delays at ports and motorways, which obviously delays shipping and commerce and things like that. UK students studying in the EU and EU study in EU students studying in the UK face a period of uncertainty because they don't know what their continued like rights will be because right now it's not really considered an international education because it's all part of the EU. But the price could change, you know, there'll be different education systems, different laws that gets a lot more complicated, Um, including the Erasmus program, which is a widely popular study abroad program for European students. Um, Its continuation in the UK is very uncertain, both for um, other EU students to go into the UK and for UK students to travel into the EU because the Erasmus program is really di- is really dictated by an EU education system, um, not necessarily a UK specific education system, which I thought was really interesting because I've heard a little bit about the Erasmus program. Like I definitely know what it is and I've yeah. heard of it and I know that it's very, very popular. So that its future is very uncertain. So it's one of those things that like, it's definitely not just going to affect big businesses and it's not just going to affect the government. Like Brexit really is going to affect everyone's everyday life and how they live and their access to things, which is really scary because like we live in America, like we live in a world where our friends with diabetes have a hard time getting insulin and we know what that's like. So they're definitely going to face something very similar in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, That is everything about Brexit. Wow. I hope I I hope I answered your question. I know I didn't it, really cover Boris Johnson. No, it's but fine. But he only took office officially on the 24th. There hasn't been a lot of updates as of right now. Just that he's like, he, <laughs> it's like that John Mulaney bit about Trump that's like the horse in the hospital. <laughs> but so much as look at the hospital. Like, that's literally Boris Johnson with Brexit. He's like, I will leave. I'll do it. And everyone's like, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> You're gonna, we need to make a deal. Oh he's goodness. like, deal or no deal? And he's like, no deal, and I'll leave. And everyone else is like, no deal, deal. <laughs> Take your terrible deal. Okay. So that's Brexit. Thank you so much. That was a lot. I was like, this is a hard-hitting topic. So I hope I said stuff correctly, and I, I did that right. It's just so frustrating. It's just like everything. It sounds like it'll make everything worse. And everything is frustrating. Everything in this world is frustrating. I'm frustrated all of the time. That was the other thing is when I when my phone got stolen and I realized it was stolen. Our our precious friend Aaron, which I know he listens, and like Aaron, I appreciate you so much for doing this. Aaron comes up to me and goes, "Do you need a hug?" And I just started crying because it was like. I was like, I was so upset that my phone was stolen, but I also was just so upset about like everything that was going on in the world too, that I was just like, yeah. in general, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I like, I just feel so hopeless. And like, at, I told my mom the next day, I was like, it also like made me really upset because I think for me, like the worst, the worst feeling in the world for me is this feeling that I've been outsmarted. 
Um, and I felt outsmarted by the person that stole my phone. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel angry. I just felt dumb. And that yeah. made me feel so insignificant. I was like, I, I was like, but I feel so bad that I was so worked up. I'm so worked up about this. And I'm so upset because like literally people are dying. Right. There's so much, there's so many terrible things going on around in America and all around the world. And here I am crying because my phone was stolen. And that makes me yeah. feel really bad. But it's like sometimes it's like it's things can just build up on top of you and then like the littlest thing will like hit you and it's just exactly exactly it's like you need to cry about your phone being stolen because if you cry about all the terrible things going on you would just cry constantly and that's like not productive all right thank you so much for listening you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook at ykwibw podcast you can check out our website i've been wondering.com i just revamped it i think it looks really cute So go check it out. If you like what you're hearing, you can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much all over the place. But please, if you like our show, consider leaving us a five-star review. It helps us a lot get the word out. And I hope that you're just enjoying the show and feel like, yeah, I'll leave them a five-star review. They're doing a good job. And if you don't feel like we're doing a good job, email us. Tell us that. And speaking of emailing us, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you've been wondering and we'll put it into our show. So next week is episode 25, which is crazy. Woo! Woo! I can't believe it's been 25 episodes already. So for episode 25, Jane and I are going to do something a little special and we're going to pick our own topics, which we will leave you in suspense with what they are. Um, instead of asking each other about it. But I'm also going on vacation for my birthday, and I'm super excited. So we're going to be recording two episodes back-to-back. So what I'm asking Jane about today is going to be episode 26, and same with what she asks me. So that's what's Mm -hmm. going on. What's going on in our world and our universe? So these next topics are not going to be next week's episode. They will be episode 26, which will air August 21st, the day before my birthday. So... Yay. Wait, no. Episode 25 will air on August 21st. Episode 26 will air on August 28th. So next week's episode oh, okay. comes the day before my birthday. Okay. Woo-hoo. Okay, so we've just established that this will not come out the day before your birthday, but I was thinking it would. So this is... Oh, it will a, come out the day before. Oh, not not what no, you're this asking. One won't. For, for episode 26 in two weeks. Um... I felt bad for giving you Brexit. I thought that was kind of a topic you might not like. So (laughs) I have a birthday present for you. And Sarah, do you know what I have been wondering? I've been wondering. I'm really excited. Will you tell me all about Dolly Parton? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love her. She's one of those people that I love, but I actually don't know a lot about. So I'd love to tell you all about Dolly Parton. I just love the song 9 to 5. Quick anecdote, quick story. One time, um, we were hanging out at our apartment, and I was I was pretty drunk. I had some wine. And Kelsey was scrolling through Netflix. And this was right before Dumplin' came out, which is an excellent film. Um, right before Dumplin' came out. And I was, ta- I was standing in our kitchen, and I was looking at Jane, and I was talking to Jane. And I started to say something to Jane. But the trailer for Dumplin' has Dolly Parton's 9 to 5 behind it, one of my absolute favorite songs. And in the middle of my sentence, I stopped asking Jane the question and jumped right in mid-syllable into nine to five. So without missing a beat, there was not a second pause. Second, and I started dancing immediately as if it was like I was a robot and some switch had been turned on. I had to follow the command. So it was it literally was so like funny. it literally. I literally said, "Jane, do you know I'm out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen?" Like, <laughs> didn't even make sense it was just like it came from within I've never felt like that before and I'll never feel like that again but it was like an uncontrollable <laughs> need to start singing nine to five <laughs> um so good so good wow that is a birthday present Jane thank you you're welcome um Jane do you know what I've been wondering what have you been wondering Sarah I was recently listening to Beach to Sandy, Water to Wet, which is Christine Schieffer and her brother Alexander's podcast. If you don't, Christine Schieffer hosts, and that's why we drink. Excellent podcast that I love. 
And they were talking every week on that show. They read Yelp reviews, like terrible Yelp reviews. And they did one Yelp. They did one episode where they read Yelp reviews of post offices. I forget in which city. Every week they pick a city. Mm. And in that episode, someone mentioned the phrase going postal. And Christine was like, oh, you can't say that because a bunch of people were killed in post offices. Like there was like post office murders. And I was like, I don't, I've never heard anything about this, but apparently going postal is a thing now. So I guess this is also a birthday present because you know I love true crime. I want you to explain what going postal means. I will look into that for you. There we go. So once again, next week, episode 25, special episode. Jade and I will be picking our own topics. Stay tuned for more exciting stuff. And then the following week, we'll be back at you with these topics. I'm not going to be able to remember. I'm going to have to listen to this episode. (laughs) I honestly, that's, I forgot about Kale until I listened. (laughs) I like kept forgetting about Brexit. And then I remember and I'd be like, oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) No, I'm glad you asked me about it because it's something that I needed to understand better. And it's, it's good to keep yourself up with current events. Yeah. Um, So hopefully this was informative and helpful. I thought it was good. Yeah, you did. (laughs) You said that as if you were trying to convince me. Like, you did a good job. (laughs) Sarah, we have a good podcast. We do have a good podcast. I love our podcast. I enjoy listening to it. I don't listen to it, but I edit it, so. Oh, well, you edit it, and then I listen to it. And frankly, I forget everything we say, and then I listen to it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so funny. Like, I... (laughs) It's funny that you say that because I feel like I listen to so many podcasts where they say, I don't remember what we say at all. Like, I don't remember anything. I was like, how can you forget? But then I'm like, I guess if you don't edit it. I you just truly just... forget. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I'm probably going to forget this one. I've had a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering. <laughs>